You are listening to DG Talks, a podcast brought to you by Delta Gamma. Each month, the Delta Gamma host will speak on a different topic, covering a wide range of interests for our sisters. We look forward to engaging with you on social media about other topics you would like to hear, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, y'all. My name is Pradusha Pilla. I'm a third-year medical student and a Beta Eta alum from the University of Texas at Austin, Hook'em Horns. The current social and political climate has given so many of us a chance to educate ourselves, to check our biases, and to put ourselves in the shoes of others. One of the things that I struggled with for most of my life was my skin color, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity to talk about my experience. From the time that I was a small child, I was hyper aware of my skin tone. I knew that I was brown and that the majority of the people around me were not. And I knew that this made me ugly. I spent more hours than I could count in front of a mirror, wishing that I could have white skin and blonde hair. I spent those hours picking myself apart and feeling the injustice of having this horrible brown skin. My family tried to help. They told me to keep out of the sun, bought makeup way too light for my complexion, and even got me skin lightening creams. These were the people who loved me the most, who were trying to look out for my best interests. And my best interest was to be lighter because society places a premium on lighter skin. We didn't have a word for it at the time, but we found ourselves face to face with colorism. Colorism simply put is discrimination based on skin tone. In communities across the globe, darker skin is considered less than, which leads to darker skin people being treated as less than. This might sound a bit like racism, but colorism is different. It can actually occur within the same racial group. And I know that people also get made fun of when their skin is too light. And don't get me wrong, it's always awful to get picked on. There's a difference here though. People with pale skin do not face the same systemic discrimination that people with dark skin do in our society. We definitely should condemn judgments based on skin tone, no matter what direction they land. But it is important to note that there are institutional and societal patterns that treat dark skin and pale skin differently. Now, colorism might seem like a superficial issue. After all, we all have insecurities and parts of ourselves that don't match with societal standards. Unfortunately, colorism has a much deeper rooted influence. My skin tone was a defining factor for most of my life. I grew up thinking that I had to achieve more to make up for my skin tone. I had to overcome the setback to be worth anything. I felt deficient because of something that I had no control over. I had less power and my voice would mean less because it came from a girl with darker skin. Colorism has an ugly history. During the times of slave trade, lighter-skinned people who were enslaved were ascribed a higher monetary value. People with my skin tone were literally worth less. Of course, as an Indian American, I have to touch on the caste system and note that people in higher castes were often lighter-skinned and people in lower castes were often darker-skinned. And a lot of scholars have related this to people of lower castes laboring outdoors. 
Indian matrimony sites list fair skin as selection criteria over education and financial status. Women with darker skin are tossed aside by potential mates regardless of how incredible they are based on that single factor. People with dark skin used to be required to carry identity documents in the States. A 2015 study by Marcus Wrangel and Daniel Krasman showed that darker black American men fared worse than their lighter skin counterparts in key metrics. These measures included self-confidence, marital satisfaction, jail time, salary, and more based on skin tone. Their quality of life was measurably worse because of their darker skin. So how did this concept even come into our lives when we never set out to mistreat anyone? It starts with fairy tales. The princes, princesses, and heroes that we look up to generally have gorgeous fair skin. But the bad guys, the ones that we grew up loathing and fearing, they often look like me. Dark skin and frizzy hair. Even as children, we are unintentionally picking up on these signals. It's reinforced when black and brown celebrities are photoshopped into lighter skin tones. Public figures from Mindy Kalig to former President Barack Obama have had their photos artificially lightened. This goes beyond brightening an image and smoothing out blemishes. This is changing a person's color to show what is more acceptable. I know many of y'all probably saw the 2015 movie Straight Outta Compton. There was a huge controversy when the casting sheet was leaked. For female extras, they had four categories, A to D, in order of decreasing attractiveness. The A and B girls were the hottest of the hot. Light skin, small waist, nice hips. Beyonce is the prototype. C-girls were medium to light-skinned. D-girls were poor, not in good shape, and they went out of their way to mention medium to dark-skinned. This ranking isn't uncommon or surprising, but it's still upsetting and hurtful. By my skin tone alone, I'm a D-girl. Even Snapchat came under fire recently for a beauty filter that lightened skin tones and anglicized facial features. This is the message that we are constantly receiving. Historically, people with my skin tone were publicly shamed. There was this horrible little thing called the brown paper bag test. It was used as a qualifier into social organizations, including fraternities and sororities. You hold a brown paper bag up to your face. If you're lighter, you pass the test. If you're darker, it's an automatic denial. I failed this test. Skin tone alone was a barrier to entry. These days, it might not be as explicit, but there are avenues where it still applies. Of course, in this day and age, we have a little bit more diversity in casting. We have Lupita Nyong'o's and Viola Davis's, but it's not even close to enough representation after decades, if not centuries of social conditioning. We can do more and we can do better. I mean, the casting debacle and filter controversy were so recent. 
and we still see preferential treatment for lighter-skinned people in our media. But hey, I'll be the first to celebrate and say how happy I am to see beautiful women who look like me on a screen. It shows that we can and we are making strides. Speaking of which, <laughs> let's talk about one of the biggest surprises in my life. I competed in Miss America pageants. It's something that I never expected to do, much less enjoy. <laughs> I was in my first pageant in Richardson, Texas, wearing a borrowed gown, performing an Indian classical dance, and shaking so hard that I thought I'd fall over for sure. But, by the grace of God, I won a title that night and got to see my parents light up. This wasn't in the realm of possibility for us. I wouldn't have ever succeeded in an Indian or Asian American pageant. I was the first person of color in Miss America history to win the title of Miss Austin and to represent the capital of Texas. But I was discouraged from participating in Indian and Asian American pageants because I didn't have the right look. The most heartbreaking part of that is that I look like an average South Indian woman. My appearance is still not accepted by my own people. By wearing that crown in a world where I thought that I didn't belong, I was taking up space and making room for other women like me. The way that women of color before me had paved the paths for me. As Miss Austin, I had the chance to attend a gala and I was so excited to dress up and talk about the Children's Miracle Network. While I was grabbing a dessert, I heard a little girl say, Mom, that princess looks just like me. Y'all best believe I ran over. I took a million pictures with that precious little black girl and let her try my crown on. I told her how beautiful she was. That night I went home and cried. I wished that I had met a princess that looked like me when I was younger. But I am so unbelievably thankful and privileged to have been that princess for somebody else. One of the issues that we really need to look into closely is how colorism impacts health. Studies have shown that colorism is linked to depression and anxiety in minority communities. Research by Georgetown University psychologist showed that this even spills into impacting physical health. As somebody who has been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder, this was alarming. I spent every day fighting for my life until I nearly lost it by my own hand. I don't want anyone to go through what I did, especially over a skin tone. To find that something completely out of our control is a factor contributing to mental health struggles due to societal pressures truly highlighted why this issue is so important. And it just reinforced the need to talk about it, even if it's uncomfortable. As a future physician, I had to look into this a little more. I found studies that link dark skin to poorer patient outcomes. I saw that dark-skinned physicians were trusted less and experienced lower patient compliance, meaning patients were less willing to listen to doctors who had darker skin. On pa one paper I read, 
spoke about how dark skin was linked to perceived lower education, occupational status, and income, even when they controlled for race and socioeconomic status. This idea is ingrained in us across demographics. It goes without saying that my skin tone has zero bearing on how I would perform as a healthcare professional. I have to fight this idea for my dark-skinned colleagues and for the sake of my future patients. Now, I mentioned skin lightening creams earlier. Many of y'all may have never even heard of these. These are literally creams designed to bleach skin or reduce melanin in order to create a lighter complexion. These products aren't well-regulated and many contain ingredients such as mercury, hydroquinone, and corticosteroids, which are either banned or prescription only in the EU. This was an $8.3 billion industry by 2018 measures. People literally put bleach on their faces because having bleach on your face is more tolerable than having darker skin in today's society. I've heard the argument that people tan for darker skin, so what's wrong with seeking lighter skin if that's what someone wants? The issue is the value that society places on lighter skin over darker skin as a whole. And of course, the toxic nature of the products that help achieve said aesthetic. Most of the time, wanting lighter skin isn't simply for the look of it though. It's for the benefits that come with having light skin. It's a notion that we need to think hard on and address. So when we discuss skin lightening products, these products aren't selling light skin. They are selling acceptance, love, and success. Light skin is just the way to get these things. It wasn't easy to find beauty in my own face. It wasn't until I headed to a diverse college campus that I had to erase my idea of what beauty even was. I was surrounded by beautiful people and none of them looked the same. Moreover, all of these people were successful, influential and admirable. How could I let my skin hold me back when I found a way to love and appreciate the inherent beauty in other people even when it was at odds with the standards that I'd been taught? I was given countless opportunities to prove myself and I found myself rising to the occasion and exceeding my own expectations. I had destroyed the limitations that I placed on myself based solely on my skin tone. For the first time, I was succeeding because of my skill and not despite my skin. When I look in the mirror today, I see a future physician, a pageant queen, a Delta Gamma. My skin tone doesn't add to this or take away from this. It just is. It's a part of who I am and I love it as much as any other part of myself. There is so much power in finding beauty within yourself. It sets you free and removes the boundaries that you've imposed upon yourself. Beauty is subjective and rooted in how something makes you feel. It's definitely not a particular shape, size, or color. It isn't constrained to any particular features. You should never feel like you need to change in order to be beautiful. Now that we know about this issue, what can we do? We can further educate ourselves and spread awareness because the first step in addressing an issue is knowing that it even exists. 
We can uplift marginalized voices. We can seek out media representation that showcases diversity, diversity of skin tone, hair texture, facial features, and body type, including those that are abled and differently abled. We can demand accountability from the media that pushes forward Eurocentric standards and advertises toxic products in the name of achieving beauty and acceptance. We can end this discrimination. We can stand together and hold the media, industries, and society as a whole accountable and eliminate this damaging cycle. As sorority women, we have the most incredible network of sisters from nearly every walk of life. That's a truly amazing thing, and I'm still not over how exciting it is to be a part. We have the power to incite real change. We can donate, vote, and volunteer to make sure that our voices are heard and our actions are seen. As Delta Gammas, we embody the words, do good. Part of that duty is actively creating a safer, more equitable, and more joyful world around us. And we do this for hope, for strength, and for life. Love is in the bond, sisters. Thank you for listening to this episode of DG Talks. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook at Delta Gamma.